0: Hello to listeners of the Green Shoots podcast. Since it started 18 months ago, the Green Shoots podcast has been listened to over 5,000 times by an audience from more than 40 countries. We wanted to say thank you for listening. And if you find this podcast useful, we'd be really grateful if you'd help us reach more listeners by giving us a star rating or review on your preferred podcast platform. Welcome to the Green Shoots podcast by Appleyard Lees, a conversation about IP focused on the issues, challenges, and stories relevant to those who create and manage intellectual property. In episode six of the podcast, released in July 2020, Appleyard Lees partners and patent attorneys Adam Tindall and Ian Davies discussed COVID-related challenges faced by in-house IP teams. How did the business disruption affect in-house IP teams' priorities, and what changes did Adam and Ian foresee for the future? In this episode, we revisit Adam and Ian's predictions. We discuss the advantages and disadvantages of new working practices and changes to the patent filing process resulting from lockdowns and the pandemic more generally. Adam and Ian,
1: over to you. Thanks, Charlie. About a year or so ago, Adam and I discussed working with our in-house clients in particular um, in these COVID times. Um, Now that a year or so has gone past, we thought it might be useful to Have a look at that experience, how it's changed the way that we work with our clients and how it's changed the way that we work with each other. A year or so of not seeing most of our clients face-to-face has been challenging at times, but I think we we adapted pretty well at the outset. So now after more than 12 months this, it might be useful to look and see what we've learned, how that's changed, what we do, and will those changes stay in place forever. So um, Adam, how's it been for you?
2: Things have evolved in a way which I I didn't anticipate. I was worried when this started that we'd you know, we'd have difficulty maintaining contact with clients and we'd have difficulty getting new clients and things. I don't. know. In some ways, communications are are maybe better. I don't know. Do you think? I mean, maybe maybe talk to clients a bit more often because we're not we're not saving everything up for a, a kind of like a you know a once a month. In person meeting?
1: I think you're right. I think, particularly because I think, like you, a lot of my clients aren't close by. I never used to see many of them that frequently anyway. I mean, we talk and email relatively frequently, but now with Teams and so on, I feel I'm seeing them more often than I did beforehand. And and as you say, it might be we'd have a quarterly review meeting on, on some cases, but now it's pick up Teams or pick up the phone, and, and there you are. It seems to be much more straightforward. So, in some ways, one of the positives, I think, is it's actually improved communication. I know that not everyone feels that. I know some of my colleagues have found it very difficult to, to adapt to this and that they don't necessarily like working remotely. And I can see you know, the downside that, obviously, particularly when you're interacting with colleagues, more junior colleagues who need training and supervision – it can be quite difficult to do that remotely. But I think with some sort of savvy use of the tools that we have, you can actually have a pretty good standard of communication across across the board, really.
2: I mean, with clients in particular, it does seem that you can answer their needs more immediately. And so, you know, there isn't there isn't stuff, you know, like waiting around for that quarterly meeting, like you say. And I mean, having said that, I still have been having in-person meetings over the past year and it's been quite interesting seeing how different companies deal with social Mm. distancing a lot of them are manufacturers so obviously they still have people who are there and the manufacturers can't work from home they've got to be there on site uh, and putting stuff together. Some clients have they've made a the manufacturers have made a conscious decision to to keep the the office workers the people that can work at home to keep them at home so they can keep the the, the chance of infection low so that they to so that the the people working on the shop floor are uh are, are, are you know kept healthy or as healthy as they as they can be or as, or as virus free as they as they can be um and others have, um, and much like us, really have developed a, a policy of people coming in less frequently than they did before. But kind of as and when they want to, and anybody who wants to come in can, uh, or to have you know specific days when when the teams come in or when they're having meetings. But I mean, I mean, certainly seeing, I'm seeing very few cases where companies are insisting everybody comes back. And it more seems to be a kind of gentle, you know, sort of selling the benefits, having events where people, you know, inherently, it makes more sense for them to be together. And maybe it's in the nature of some of the clients I work with, but they often have a very focused innovation-led type management. And they are very focused on, you know, interaction leads to innovation and sharing ideas and sharing problems. So maybe it's just in those cultures, because I'm lucky enough to work with them that, you know, the people are quite bubbly and they're quite happy to be in the same space as, as one another. And, mm. and and it's been very nice, actually, to, to be invited along to those events and to be be part of it.
1: We've both worked as design engineers in our previous lives. I think we we know a little of of what that environment is like. You know, every business will be different and throw up sort of unique challenges. I mean, the business you were in, you couldn't really take part of a jet engine home with you and work on it. That wasn't really something that was practical. (laughs) But the the, the business I was working on, sort of circuit board design, and you know, twenty odd years ago when I was doing that, it was quite difficult to take a a CAD workstation home with you. But now, Mm -hmm. with this remote tools that we've got, I guess it's very easy for a, a circuit designer, a software engineer to to work remotely and have pretty good contact with their teams. It doesn't require such a physical presence in the in the lab as, as, as certain technologies do. So I think that, that's where there's been a real disparity between different types of business as to how well they've been able to adjust to doing things at home and how much they've simply had to have people in, in the offices in, in the labs working on stuff they can't take home with them. I think that, that that's a huge um, unlevel playing field between certain types of business. One thing I think that this is useful and it reflects what's happened in the patent offices. So obviously, we've spent a lot of time speaking to clients and our colleagues, but the other side of the coin, I suppose, is, is dealing with the patent office. So, you know, our job is to interact with them, to file applications, to take them through to, to grants. And the UK patent office, in particular, had a, a, a practice of quite. You know dispersed working anyway. I think a lot, of, a lot of examiners did tend to work from home on a, at least some of the time, but obviously now all of the time. That doesn't seem to have slowed them up at all. And I, th- I found the examiners very willing to. You know, answer phone calls and, and get involved in cases, which, which to be honest, they were beforehand. But I think now perhaps perhaps even more so. And likewise for the European Patent Office, where they work in a slightly different format of examining divisions, where there's one primary examiner looking at a case with, with two other examiners forming part of the, the board, if you like, that looks at that particular case. Just this morning, I've had, had two informal emails from examiners suggesting ways that this case might be advanced and so on. And I'm seeing a lot more of that than I used to. I, th- I think they seem there's a slightly more relaxed tone to, to being at home, I think, whereas when you're in the office, things are a bit more formal. There's perhaps suits and ties being worn and big filing cabinets full of paper. But I think there's something about being at home that just, just leads towards a certain informality, which is actually makes things move, you know, a, a little more easily sometimes. Obviously, there, there is a uh, sometimes an efficiency you know, lag by, by being at home and not being surrounded by your colleagues. But on the other hand, it, it encourages working behaviours that perhaps wouldn't have happened in a more formal setting.
2: Yeah, maybe it is just because they're at home and they feel more willing to reach out and uh, beyond the beyond the walls of the of the building to talk to people. I've seen the same thing. You know, very unexpected suggestions of calls I wouldn't necessarily have expected to get before, and you know, amenable chats about um, about cases where just on a different level with a different tone to how it was before. But it's um, it's quite nice, really. I mean, it's quite it is a surprising effective of having all these extra communication tools that we didn't have before or we didn't use as much before Mm. and it's maybe has eased things along it's um yeah I just wouldn't have just wouldn't have anticipated that i remember when it all started we were you know felt terribly at sea about what does this mean how on earth are we going to carry on doing what we do and i think the software has definitely improved over the past year or maybe i've just got more used to it and we've all just got more used to to using it as a as a default but it's been you know, it's been a year of evolution which is you know, maybe leading us to quite a, a nice a nice place.
1: Okay, so so what what one of the main areas we, we we try to support is in-house patent departments. Obviously we we've got a number of clients in that area. Adam and I both worked in house for a while, both as design engineers and in, in-house in patent departments. So Adam, is there anything from your, your time working in-house that, that really sort of informs the way you work now or gives you a particular insight into the way we support those particular type of clients?
2: In terms of work practices, the way we used to make our decisions was a, a, a essentially have lots of quite long meetings about about cases. And, and although they were long, hard meetings, there was a certain mental freedom associated with that insofar as, you know, you, you know that today, first Wednesday in the month, this is the job we're doing. You know, we're going through these 40 or 50 cases and we're going to make decisions about all of them. There's a, a certain certainty to the to the structure of the day which was quite relaxing in a way really so just we were talking earlier about how uh, you know we, we, we maybe talk more often but about fewer things now and I wonder in terms of organizing how how you come to those decisions you know it, it having having uh, all the meetings were in person maybe you'd have a phone call but nearly always the meetings were in person and there were there were several layers of meetings to come to the decisions that you needed to make about about portfolios uh, but it, it seemed really important to to actually have people physically in the same place and you know, if there was somebody on the phone it just didn't work quite right and i just wonder if it would if that even would translate into into doing those meetings now?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure about that, I suppose because the, the background I was in, working at a telecoms company, they, they were quite slick on on having goods, good IT tools, and so on. So the similar meeting we used to have to the one you're describing was so a three way video call between the US, the UK, and uh, a Scandinavian country. And I was two hours behind them, but the US guy was eight hours behind me. So he was literally up in the middle of the night. So I, I had to go to the office early for, say, sort of 8 a.m. Um, but he'd be sitting at his desk at midnight, 1 a.m. Uh, doing this this meeting. And it was it was, it was really quite bizarre. And, and because of the scale of the, the organizations, he, he might have contributed two or three invention reports. There might have been a handful from the UK and maybe dozens from the, the Scandinavian team. So we had actually relatively little to contribute to the meeting in terms of Advocating for our inventions, right. but he had to sit through this sort of four or five hour meeting, <laughs> literally all night long, <laughs> listening to all, all of these descriptions of inventions he had nothing to do with. That was quite peculiar. I think it was a bit of a sort of a, a rite of passage for him. But that that, that seemed to work quite well in. in that distributed way of working, so it's something' that I've always been used to um, so if anything, it was quite strange for me to come into a situation where all of my team were in the same building or at least in the same country so i, I it's always been something that's been there for me
2: I don't know I just wonder in terms of you know establishing the the trust the rapport and the credibility you know when you're making decisions about about cases if there is still something to be said for for having those in-person meetings and quite regularly just uh kind of really get a you know it's not just about no yes no let's do this it's about getting to know people and and you know
1: i I think we invested a lot in that as well i mean at the time there were there were flights back and forth and again in the days when perhaps we didn't think so much about flying it was nothing to get on a plane absolutely nothing it was just never an issue you just got on a plane and you went to see someone and that's what you did
2: does feel like I mean, we used to have personal meetings and it was definitely, you know, if I if I want to appear credible, if I want to appear like I'm sincere about what I'm saying or that I really care, you know, it has to be an in person meeting. And that definitely has lessened that feeling. I mean, I think it, it still it still does have that that strength, but I don't think people are offended by the prospect of a video call. They're not, you know, it's not a second class solution to a meeting anymore is it?
1: No I don't think so and I think that that immediacy and like you say the speed with which you can set things up so if you want to have a chat to a US attorney or an Australian attorney it's really easy to set up whereas the idea of flying several hours and halfway around the world seems crazy frankly now.
2: So when I've been talking to inventors and clients I've enjoyed this development where I can be sat wherever I happen to be and they're somewhere else and they want to show me something and they've got cameras which are set up and and you know to, to show me around the article which they're looking at or they you know there's more sometimes more effort put into animations to, to show how things really work and I, i'm kind of looking forward to the next stage where you know it's some kind of augmented reality thing where we you know can can you know share an object and, and look at it more closely and interact with it in a way we couldn't before. I'm hopeful that it's not that far away. There are there are toys you can have on your apps on your phone, you know, for for scanning images of stuff, so people can look around and you know, and and uh, in a way that you couldn't before. And I
1: don't know. I think so. Certainly, the the idea of you know, it's fairly commonplace now with the, the CAD tools and so on that we have. But if I'm working on more mechanical inventions and sort of electronicy ones, the idea of having a CAD tool where I can you know grab a button and spin it around, and look at it from all possible angles, is amazing and. That built into like a VR helmet or something where you can just tilt your head around and 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 pick it up and move it with with your your virtual hands is great, but I, I, we're not quite there yet, I guess. But it would be fascinating if we could make that work, and particularly in your field where it it is you know is mechanical. You're not you're not really looking at circuits and software flowcharts, and so on. you want to see the bit of stuff in your hand, don't you, really?
2: exactly yeah yeah i still find that that actually having the article in my hand and you know seeing how those two things fit together or how it moves how it works is still uh you know, as amazingly informative. Thankfully, for for most of the clients that I do drafting with, they're relatively local, so I can still do that. But I, and I but I really do miss it for the ones in which I can't, and I'm just, you know, reliant on the, on the 2D images that they they send us. So, but you know, I mean, some clients I would never have gone to see them in the first place. So, so maybe this this evolution of tools will help with you know with all interactions with all with all the all the clients that we're doing. I think you know, that's quite exciting, isn't it? Certainly. The designers that I work with, you know, I mean, they're always good at producing images and moving things around on screen and explaining stuff. So, it's, I hope hopefully the tools will get easier, so uh, so <laughs> we can use them as well. But. Uh,
1: it, it, it's no longer exceptional to get that kind of three D CAD or interactive dynamic design drawing. You know, it used to be quite unusual if it download a special driver from the internet, and it would be a bit of a faff to get it all working. But now that that's just commonplace, so it's not even like the the high end design houses that can do this stuff. Anybody working in this field can can now produce stuff that is of a quality that lets you have that interaction. Whereas before, you would have a, a series of two D drawings and try to put them together in your head unless you have particularly good spatial awareness. That's quite a, a difficult thing to do. So th- those kind of things, again, are, are now so commonplace that, the, that they're barely worth remarking on. So it's the next step of the, you know, how do you make it more interactive? How do you give you that sort of immersive experience of, of you know, almost being inside this machine and looking outwards? That, that That's really where we're up to now, isn't it? We've talked a little bit, Adam, about our times in in in-house practice and how that sort of differs I suppose from from private practice do you think that the way you work as a private practice attorney advising people from from afar as it were has been uh, informed to a large extent by the work you did in-house you know do you have a, a particular insight that you think you might not have had had you come straight into the patent world from straight from university
2: yes I think so there's a surprising amount of networking required to work in-house there's a lot of people to get to know there's a lot of people that have to make decisions one has to understand that they have internal processes to go through that it's Mm -hmm. uh you know it's not just case comes in process it hurl it out the door there's a lot of uh upfront thinking about well what's the best thing to do here and it's got to be weaved into a a design process and you know one has to understand what the design process is and it's not just someone coming up with an idea and okay let's make it and file a patent application there are you know innovation isn't that simple and straightforward there's lots of different steps and 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 judgments to be made and iterations and 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 changes and you know the the touch points on that process where ip have to be considered are 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 many and various you know from the freedom to operate side of things to uh, you know when's the when's the right place to even think about starting to protect this and and you know what what's the what's the right time to to file the patent application when does this design actually ready even after a patent application has been filed there'll still be design iterations coming back to that and revisiting that is 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 what we've got in place registered IP wise is that still relevant to the product and I think mm. and I think one can one can know that intellectually but uh, I think it's like many things until you've lived it and experienced it you don't you don't you, you know you forget that those things are in place you you having worked in that environment you remember to go back to the client and go oh hey you know is this you know is now a good, yes, good time to yeah. talk about this or you know an understanding the issues that it's not just as simple and straightforward for them it's not like receiving you the relatively straightforward work from our foreign associate where it's, you know, here's his a European case, please get this granted for us. There's a lot more, It's a lot more nuance, yeah. I suppose
1: that the industries we both worked in were quite sort of regimented and, you know, very, very, very design led and big design teams and and lots and lots of processes as to how to sign off various stages of a design. And each one of those sign off stages from sort of concept through to prototype through to final production model or whatever, there'd be various things that had to be signed off by different people. And the way it was built into our process was that part of the sign off at various stages was the IP attorney in-house saying, yes, we've considered all the IP positions and, you know, we're good to go ahead. So you, you can now publicize this or or you can now go to market because we've done an FTO that we're happy with or mm-hmm. whatever it might be. I think for smaller clients where it, it is, you know, there aren't necessarily the same level of, of, of d- design procedures in place. It's harder to build in those natural touch points, as you put it, to say, mm-hmm. well, what what do we do at this point? You know, how, how can we say for sure we've considered all our options? And that's why I think having that understanding of, Having worked in a very sort of heavily regimented environment, you just have an innate understanding of of when these things should be checked, and sometimes it's not yeah. so apparent, you know, if you haven't been in that environment. I think.
2: Yeah, I think also to be more relaxed and understanding about, you know, that that the, maybe there's just a bit more chat and a bit more time to be spent talking about cases pre actually, you know, starting to draft the patent application and, and just that that. Um, you know being supportive of clients throughout the early process to, to help them make the right decisions about you know just an mm. understanding that that's that that's something that that has value and and that companies appreciate uh, so
1: i think that's that's something we, we still do with, with with our sort of you know private practice clients now is when you have that kind of relationship with them and that might take a time to build up but you know the idea of just getting a phone call saying can I just chat this through to you with you is this something we should be thinking about then you know we can give that advice you know it's much better to have that conversation before they've shown it at a trade show or sold the first copy of this particular article in public and if you have that relationship with your clients then you can advise the best way to do things in and in a, as if you're part of the team and this is the whole thing of coming back to we, we like to think of ourselves as an integral part of our clients teams, even though we are remote we're always available and always open to have those conversations because it, it's better for the client and it saves them an awful lot of hassle and money down the line if it goes wrong. So it's a little bit of time at the outset can can save an awful lot of trouble further on. Okay, well, thanks, Adam. I think that's been a useful, uh, hopefully, in, insight into what the last year or so has, has taught us about the, the new working environment with a particular look at how we at Apple Lee's support our clients in an in-house environment. So that, that's a particular focus for us so uh, through adam and mine personal experiences of, of working in that environment hopefully we've managed to give you some insight into what life is like and how we are helping those particular businesses address the new normal they are there's a cliche i never thought i'd use that um but that's 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 the way we're working now and um we have to do what we can to help people i, I think we've we've made great steps in ensuring that we can do so so thank you for your time adam
2: thanks no that was nice ian good chatting to you
0: Adam and Ian, thank you for joining the podcast. Thanks for listening to the Green Shoots podcast by Appleyard Lees. If you have a question or issue you would like our IP specialist to discuss on the podcast then tweet us at Appleyardlees Lees or email us at ip at appleyardlees.com and please don't forget to leave us a star rating or review on your favourite podcast platform.